Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Straight Up Texas podcast presented by Whataburger. I'm your host, Hannah Wing, coming to you from Globe Life Field in Arlington, while Nathaniel Lowe and Jared Sandler are off on the East Coast in New York on the road trip. We want to thank every single one of you for listening week in and week out. And if you give us a rating, review, and be sure to subscribe, you'll be entered to win a Whataburger swag bag thanks to our lovely show sponsor and also a Nathaniel Lowe autographed baseball. The month of August has been quite the emotional roller coaster to say the least, but it seems like September is going to be such a fun month. It's going to be a really exciting division race between the Rangers, Astros, and now the Mariners. It's kind of resembling the dot race to me in a sense. Rangers fans, if you know, you know. Since our last episode, Max Scherzer in the third inning on August 20th surpassed Hall of Famer Phil Necro to take the 11th spot on the all-time MLB strikeout list with 3,342 strikeouts. That's about 2,370 away from taking Nolan Ryan's spot at number one. In other news, Section 133 was born on August 15th against the Angels. Rangers Nation brought signs, chants, and the energy we really haven't seen a lot of here at Globe Life Field so far. We'll get to more of that in a little bit, and I'm really excited to get Nate's take on that from the player's perspective. I think Shohei Otani was on base when Nate was there when they were doing the roll call, so it'll be fun to hear about that from his side of things. It was just a really fun environment to keep the energy up in the ballpark as the Rangers are heading into a very, very big September. Even Bruce Bochy mentioned how much the players loved it and really fed off of that energy on the field. You know, it's fun. It's fun to hear them out there. It sounded like they were having fun, and, you know, it's been going on, I don't know how long, two, three weeks, and I think the players enjoy it too. Uh, They're into the game, and you can hear the chanting, trust me. I sat down with the ringleader and founder of Rangers Nation, Jake Dupree, for our upcoming Rangers Report episode that'll be on the Rangers YouTube channel launching next week. So be sure to check that out and also give him a follow on Instagram at Rangers Nation. And also be sure to follow his counterpart, Caden Fouch, on TikTok at Cowboys2K to make sure you guys get all the information for their upcoming meetups because it's going to be a ton of fun. Nate and Jared, how are things in New York? Thanks, Hannah. Yeah, Nathaniel and I are here in New York City getting ready for a three-game series between the Rangers and the Mets. Second time in New York City. Do you like New York City? I don't mind it. I really don't. As a visitor, yeah, but I don't know. You couldn't Uh, live here? I'm not going to say I couldn't. Like, It just wouldn't be my first choice. If you had an off day in New York City... And I guess we had one earlier this year. Like, what would you? But it was just yeah. you. Like, oh, what would just, me? just you? Yeah. What well, would you? Getting out of the city. Okay. I'd definitely get out of the city. There's really good golf around here. Okay. You know, like, there's there's really good golf on Long Island and New Jersey and Connecticut. Like, it's, it's super green because it's the Northeast. And like, there's yeah. I mean, we flew over a golf course like landing at we landed at Laguardia last night. I think. Um, and there's a there's a real I think it's a Trump course that's out there on the water like underneath the bridge and it's a really cool clubhouse and yeah there's some some good golf in New York so yeah that's definitely what I would do on an off day. 
Baltus Roll is nearby, right? And sure. Wingfoot, I think, is okay. right. I mean, there are tons of them. Yeah. Page, like, okay, yeah. yeah. That, that's right. They're all around. Like, yeah, Marcus and I, Marcus and I got to do a, a golf course in Connecticut last year. It was so funny because, like, because, yeah, we, we had plans for this off day and this, that, and the other. The next, you know, we're stuck in, stuck in traffic for like an hour and a half coming <laughs> back into the city. And we go play with Matt Moore, Garrett Richards, too. So, you know, like, it, it's just so funny when, guys have been on the golf course all day and then you're stuck in a van in new york city traffic going into the city at four in the afternoon like it, you can imagine what that car yeah ride was yeah like. i'm sure oh yeah uh fun though marcus a good golfer i don't he don't really talk about golf a ton so he athletes his way through it okay that's a good right. way to put it yeah, yeah yeah that makes sense yeah uh so this is only my second time in new york oh really the first time was earlier this year i never uh and so this morning i was walking around and i think i got uh, I experienced a driver honking for 40 straight seconds. Oh, yeah. Like a truck driver. He was yeah. really not happy. Yeah. It was just kind of a lot. Like well, 40 seconds is I unnecessary. Mean, yeah, but that's New York. Yeah, that's I New get York, it. You know, like, yeah, I, I didn't know you hadn't been here before. So it's kind of... That's why you're up early and walking around. Yeah, exactly. No, because, yeah, when you come to New York, when you come to the East Coast after being on Central Time and being in Arizona time before Central Time, like, you know, when you're asking me to record at 11, I'm like, oh. Yeah, no, I know. That was a big ask. That was a big ask. <laughs> no, it's okay. But yeah, um, no, you got to walk around, get some late night pizza, like get something delivered, go see like, you know, uh, whatever Times Square, all the stuff around there. Like, it's cool to see it a couple times. But then once you just realize like there's a bajillion people on the sidewalk and like people are elbowing you and not really feeling bad for it. And it always looks like it's going to rain at some point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, inevitably one block smells like trash and another block smells better like that that's just new york city but i you gotta love it at the same time you have a late night pizza recommendation for me uh i probably can't say it on air yeah oh okay but yeah okay all right one for you. all right can't wait uh so i it's that's mostly true that i've never been i i did my sophomore year of college usc played virginia okay and uh my broadcast partner and i Decided not to travel with the team. We flew. He was a big Yankees fan. So we flew. We took a red eye from L.A. Mm. to JFK. JFK to Yankee Stadium. Sure. It was the last year of old Yankee Stadium. So I, I had never been. Went to the game. But then right after the game left and began our trip to Charlottesville. Okay. So technically prior to this year, I had existed in New York City. But I'd never like. Really, I'd existed in Yankee Stadium. That's yeah. it. So. Anyway. But yeah, but this so this this counts as your first work yeah, trip. Yeah. This year counts as your first work trip. Right. Uh the off day that we had prior to the Yankee series, like my first real Yeah. Uh okay, so let's get down to business. We're gonna continue here in a little bit talking about your story. We we left off last episode, just the early years of, of you and the miners after okay. uh, getting drafted. But uh my guys tied for the American League lead in doubles, uh, just outside the top ten in the majors and hits. Uh, but I'm I'm sure that's not something you really want to talk about because right now, uh, team's having a tough time. Lost nine to ten as we're having this conversation for the first time since the first week of April. The team is not in first place, uh, and one game back is Seattle. The Mariners have been just absolutely kicking butt and taking names and that's awesome for them, but uh, they're going to have to go through the Rangers at the end of the year with yeah. seven games out of the final 10. But uh, all right, talk to me. I mean, what's uh, we've, we've recorded episodes in which the teams maybe lost three in a row or whatever, but not, not like this. So yeah. what, like what's, what's going on right now? Like how do you process a stretch like this? 
Well, I mean, the state of the team, the state of the team's fine. We're just not playing fine. Like that's, you know, uh, and I, I can't point fingers because I've made mistakes too. I, I've left. I feel like I've left every single time I get a runner on second base or third base. I leave them out there, like you know, and that's just, I guess, one of those things. Um, we made some base running errors. We made some. Defensive plays that haven't really been great. We haven't really pitched that great. It feels like when we do get a pitching performance, we don't score. You know, we're just finding every way to lose. And, and like, it, nobody feels bad for us. That's a big thing going forward is that, like, there's nobody in the division that feels bad for us. There's nobody in the league that feels bad for us. Nobody at MLB that feels bad for us. Like, we have it all in front of us. Like, it's in our lap. We, we're a game down as of whatever today is. August 28th, we're a game down to Seattle. And it's literally right in front of us. So, you know, we, we need to find a spark a little bit. Not really <clears throat> not really press. Like, you know, Boach has been so calm through all of this. And, you know, he's getting upset, rightly so, because there's certain careless mistakes that feel like kind of uh, get us out of some situations to win. And, you know, that's, uh, that's something that we need to continue to work on and clean up. But it's not like all of a sudden we're going to snap our fingers and bust out 10 in a row. So... You know, it was nice to break up uh, a really long losing streak the other day because that was that was awful. Um, felt like 21 and 22 for a little while, but uh, that's I guess that's how it goes. Um, but again, the evolution of a team that's going to be like really, really good. Like, I guess you, you need to get punched in the mouth again. Um, ideally, not in a fashion like that, but we need to obviously find a way to come out of that, come out of this stretch as a whole turn the page and just play better. So, yeah, we, we just need to play better this week. So I get asked a bunch, whenever, like the last 10 years, if there's ever a stretch like this, well, what, what are the guys like, blah, blah, blah. And I always tell people, I, I'm only around you guys at the ballpark during a, a very specific window, right? Yeah. I, and I, I, know, I, I know enough to know that a lot of the stuff that is relevant to the questions they're asking happen when the doors are closed. But Correct. You know, I I always tell them, the guys who play ping pong are still playing ping pong. The guys who play cards are still playing cards. Guys are smiling. I mean, it is it is no different from our vantage point. And I know that that is obviously the goal. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to, you can't change things. You can't, but like, are there, during a stretch like this, because the team is in a position to, to win a division, is there ever value to someone just saying, hey, guys, let's talk for two minutes. It's okay. We're good. Let's just keep working through this. Or is it just kind of there are enough veterans where you guys know what you need to do? Um, or both? Yeah, I would lean more towards the latter. Like, I, I don't know. Meetings meetings are – <clears throat> I don't want to say they're a bad thing, but there's not usually a lot of positivity that comes out of a team meeting or, like, somebody pointing fingers or, like, sending a text in the group and say, hey, guys, let, you know, you – pull our heads out of our butts and play better. Like it's not like you just snap your fingers and do that. So I, I think that we've got a good group that's ready to lead by example. Right. And take, for instance, like, uh, two days ago, Minnesota, Saturday night, um, we've lost however many in a row, seven or eight. Um, and Max gets the ball and he punches out what nine Max goes, Max goes seven punches out 10, 10 yeah, gives up two. And like, does what Max Scherzer does. So that's a time where you like, you hand the ball to him. He's not going to say like, Hey guys, watch this or Hey guys, I got you. Cause you know, the game can snap on you in a hurry. 
especially as a starter, you know, a couple pitches don't go your way, and then all of a sudden you're looking at a crooked number on the scoreboard, same as a position player. You know, if you say, hey, watch this, I'm, I'm going to hit this home run, I'm going to hit three home runs today, watch this, and you swing and miss a couple times and come back to the dugout. Like, the game always knows. So, you know, we needed Max to make that big start there, and, and you know, we've got some we've got some quality starts this last little stretch. We just, you know, need to continue to do better with runners in scoring position. We need to manage the strike zone and manage the tempo of the game and, and you know, just straight up play better this last five weeks. I, the team meeting thing is always a I, – I think if you if you have one, you've got one bullet, mm-hmm. right? Like one throughout the year. The, the minute you go to a second one, it's like hey, there's – but like can just because a lot of people – and I don't blame them because they're not around it, but a lot of people default to that. Oh, they need to have a meeting. Can you just explain a little bit more why that's just not like this this magic elixir? Uh, um, you're addressing 26 players, uh, 10 staff members, and whoever else, clubhouse staff, medical staff, whoever else, coaches that are in there that all know that you've lost like like it's it's like i don't understand you know everybody sees what's happening everybody knows the record over the last 10 everybody knows which series you won and which series you didn't who's been hitting who's been pitching xyz so like you are repeat repeating things to people that know things already when you have multiple team meetings like it's just it's a a recipe for People grumbling, like people looking down at their toes. Like, you know, we've heard of, of some managers getting animated and throwing things, like getting angry. Like, I get it, man. That's your job. You know, you have to do your best to get the guys to play the best that they can. And some guys have different methods with it. But, you know, we, we've got such a, a level-headed group that it feels like, you know, it, like if Boach wants to get up and talk in front of everybody, like the guys are going to listen. And he's not saying things that are off the wall. He's not saying you know, come on, why'd you do this? Or why'd you do that? Or how dare you try this? Or come on guys, let's pick it up. But you know, he'll remind us like, Hey, this is what we want. It's right in front of us. It's what we want. We've got this opportunity to go out and play for the division, play for the postseason, And, and it's right in front of you. And this is what we've done since day one of spring training. So, you know, it's reassuring to know that like, he's got our back and the, the staff's on the same page and everybody wants to win. But yeah, meetings is a whole like, it's just a, it's a slippery slope. That's how I would say it. So, a game back at Seattle, right there with Houston. I know it'd be great to just run away with a division and win it by twenty games, but uh, that just, game's not easy. Yeah, that 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 almost never happens. Like, division race is not easy. And I think I don't know if I said it on this podcast. I know I've said it when doing interviews throughout the season not out of a lack of belief, but just because of the way this goes. I think I said, there's a decent chance that at some point the Rangers will not be in first place in the division and have to get back there because it's just so tough to win a division wire to wire. Yeah. Uh, I, so I, I'm asking this obviously with the understanding that, yeah, you, you'd love to not be in this position, but like, is this also not losing nine to 10, not dropping to second place, but just let's, let's wake up today you're in a division race to win a division after the last two years uh, that you've had with this organization and for the organization, the last six years of really not being in anywhere near this position. Yeah. It's 
pretty fun, right? Like, it, I mean, it, yeah. you're playing meaningful baseball matters. Yeah, it's a treat. You know, like like to be even in the mix is great. You know, I I don't I don't want to say the the two word playoff entry that we don't want to talk about yeah. because we want to win. But you know, like I yeah, it's we're a game out with whatever thirty to play. Like what? There's not really anything else you want. We've reloaded at the deadline for arms. We've we've got the bats together. Like the gloves are there. Like it's just a matter of can we go out and and make pitches when we need to make pitches? Can we move the ball on offense when we need to move the ball? And can we take the base when we need to? And that's it. It's going to be loud. We know it's going to be loud coming down the stretch. Um, you know, anytime we play in New York, we got to take care of business because regardless of what's going on on this side, like this is a major league team that we need to beat. Um, Minnesota showed us some things there. You know, it felt like we kind of like laid off a little bit and maybe took some plays off, but I, I can't speak for everybody. So yeah, it's no secret we've made some mistakes, but we have the opportunity right in front of us to play well enough to make this thing happen. I want to ask you about... Uh... Corey Seager, I know we've talked about him throughout the year, but like, so he has not gone consecutive games without a hit all year. And I know he's missed, yeah, so I know he's missed eight weeks, but Luis Arise had think, I haven't checked recently, but as of like 10 days ago, Luis Arise had five stretches of back-to-back games without a hit. Yeah. And one of those was three straight. Now, he's played more games, but proportionally, like, Corey's not on pay, or like, the numbers don't line up. Like it's Corey is trending in a better direction in that regard. Yeah. I think one of the things that has been so amazing. Yeah. He's had stretches where he's gotten quote unquote hot. Yeah. But I think the most amazing thing is that he hasn't had a stretch, you know, where he, he's just struggled. I, I, and I, I, I don't know. I, I know that individual performance at time right now, it's just not a big deal. Yeah. Uh, but What's it been like? I mean, you you stand in the on deck circle and watch this guy every yeah. single game, four or five times a game. What yeah. what's it like? He's just uh, he doesn't miss, man. He doesn't miss. Like what he's doing at the play is special. Um, but again, that's like like that's what we sign up for with you know Corey being Corey, bringing him in as a huge sign, bringing him in as an MVP candidate. Obviously, the starting shortstop in the AL and all this other stuff. Like you know, like a, Corey Seager is the player that we've asked for and the player that like the organization has asked him to be. So yeah, being on deck with him, like putting together the offensive performance that he's doing is a treat. Like, you know, there are a lot of times there where maybe he grinds out net bats and he sees like four pitches instead of one. Um, so, <laughs> so it's up tempo. It's in your face. Like he's letting you know he's ready to go as like, as soon as the pitcher toes, the rubber Corey's ready. And I think that's the biggest piece for him to take away is like, he doesn't care about wasting pitches. Like for the most part, he's not really going to like go deep into the at bat and give the pitcher a chance to make a better pitch. Like as soon as he sees something that he can move, he's moving it and he's doing a really good job of it for us. So, okay. That's, that's a great, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, obviously anybody at any given time can swing the first pitch, Oh yeah. but being the guy who hits after him, do you have to start your process earlier because you know that you you might not be in the on deck circle very long. Um, sometimes, yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, I've, I've definitely like I've noticed when he gets his stuff on right, and that's that's something for me recently of like, yeah, I kind of been caught by surprise. It's like I'm getting on deck, putting my batting gloves on, and Corey's like had his elbow guard and his you know he wears his leg thing under his pants, and he's suited up with his hand pad like 
two batters, three batters before doing his thing in the dugout. And I'm like, okay, like I should take something from that because Corey's uh, more times than not going to offer the first pitch. And, and when he's right, he's going to hit hard. So I need to be ready to follow right behind him. Yeah, managing managing gameplay at a tempo like that has been a challenge for me this year too because like I can't hide the books out on me. I'm not getting certain pitches that I've hammered before and the league is adjusting to me. So yeah, I, I just need to make sure that I'm on point to be ready where I'm at my best right after Corey does his thing. So you won a silver slugger last year and I know that you don't, right now, you don't care about that. When you retire, that's great. You know, you're going to, but like when you win... There are two things I've always felt. One, the team wasn't good last year. Right. Right. So, you know, the, the, you're, you're not playing in as, as meaningful games. So, like, from a pitching standpoint, I don't know, you might have a number of bats where the team's down five and they're just – but now there's more of a focus on you. And I understand that you're, you've said and you, you've maintained this, you know, all year that you're not happy with your performance. I, I think that, frankly, knowing you – your performance could be really at any level and you're going to tell us, Hey, I got to be better here or there. But like, I just want, like, I, I want to make sure that people understand something that are listening. So you've, you're, you're 11th in the majors and hits. Like there are, I don't know how many, cool. that's, that's pretty, I, I don't want to use the word. I should, that's awesome. <laughs> and you're tied for the American league lead in doubles, your top five in the majors and doubles. And then one of the stats I, I like, and I'm sure you don't pay any attention to this, but, uh, weighted runs created plus I'm not going to get into the X's and O's of how that, uh, is established, but basically for people listening, no, you need, to, I, I can, I can. Lay oh, that. okay. All right. Yeah. 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 W WRC plus, right. Is the calculation of your offensive value for the team. A league average player is 100 mm -hmm. and then it's a percentage above or below 100 off of that. So if you're a, if you're a 120 WRC plus guy, you are 20% better than the average player. If you are an 80 WRC plus guy, you are 20% behind the average player. Yeah. All right. So no, very good. Yeah. Uh, and and you know with advanced metrics, there are a lot of ways where people are trying to you know put one number behind a player's offensive contributions, and they're not perfect, but this seems to be one that the industry values. Right. That's you're a 128. That's really, really good. So I want to ask you this. I, maybe this is a tough question. And, and to follow through with your explanation, that means you are 28% better than the league average. That is nothing to be upset about at all. Right. Uh, that is way better than, uh, I'm not going to go through the list of players, but some, some players who uh, are highly acclaimed players. What are you doing well this year? I, I know you've talked about the things that maybe, but like, what do you feel like, hey, I am doing a really good job of X, Y, and Z? Uh, getting on base. I'm okay. getting on base, yeah. Yeah, I'm getting on base, um, cleaning up on some righties, doing a better job with right-handed fastballs. Um, you know, I, I'm not getting as many get-me-over, like, spin pitches. No, there's no more, well, I'm not going to say no more, but not as many hung change-ups and hung sliders because the league – knew after last year like if you hang it i i got a really good chance to get it and and really drive it so yeah i don't know i i've i've done a decent job of adjusting to how the league pitches me and and like i don't know i don't want to seem sour about it like i yeah i'm, I'm hitting 280 i got 15 homers i've driven in i 70 ish something like that like so at the end of the year if you if you're gonna hit uh, you know 20 and 35 i got 36 doubles now if you're gonna hit 20 homers, 40 doubles, and drive in 80, like, 
that's a pretty good year, you know, but uh, until you, until you get to that point where you're like really truly in the MVP race for an offensive performance, like there's still room to improve. So yeah, I don't know. I, I don't want to lose sight of what's going on here because it's, it's a good offensive season, but coming off of last year with the standard set so high, like, yeah, I want to hit 300. I want to hit 30 homers. I want to drive in a hundred. I want to, you know, be up there with the best of the best in the league because like, uh, you know, we don't play this game to be just good or mediocre. We play to be the best that we can be. Well, tonight the Rangers and Mets begin a three game series and an uh, opportunity to get things going back in the right direction. Uh, Tyler McGill pitching for the Mets and it is John Gray for the Rangers. So uh, looking forward to my first time at City Field. I'm looking forward to a bus ride home with a win because those bus rides are a lot more fun than the others. Yes. Uh, all right. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. want to pick up a little bit on Nathaniel's journey to the big leagues. Uh, after this, this is the Straight Up Texas podcast presented by our friends at Whataburger. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Whataburger's Jalapeno Cheddar Biscuit is back, or if you've never tried one, it's here for a limited time at participating locations. All right, so throughout the season, Nathaniel, we've taken some time to kind of uh, investigate your journey to where you are, starting with high school, uh, high school to college, and then your three trips, uh, at Mercer, and then St. John's River State, and then Mississippi State. Nice. All right? Yes. And then... Last episode, we started to really discuss, all right, you get drafted by Tampa, and this is what early, uh, you know, early professional career Nathaniel Lowe looked like, some funny stories about instructs and uh, extended spring, stuff like that. Spray painting cleats, I think. Spray, yep, that. spray painting cleats, yeah. yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, so you can, you can check back uh, last week's episode if you want to catch some of that. But I, I want to kind of talk about maybe the, the window where you're now really starting to climb. Okay. And I know that when you get drafted, you don't get drafted with the idea, hey, I'm just going to stick around and I'm not going to play in the majors. But like, maybe like when, I'll start with this. When was the first time when you really were like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a major league player. I just keep doing what I'm doing. I'm going to get there. Um, or did you have that confidence right away? Uh, no, I don't know. Because, you know, when you're in minor league camp and, you get to use the major league weight room or whatever it is. Most organizations have one weight room, but there's like a time cut out for the minor league guys to get in there and the major league guys to get in there. But say, I don't remember what year it was in spring training, but if you go in the weight room and you see that the middle linebacker by the name of Carlos Gomez, who's <laughs> a center fielder, right? This guy's a center fielder and I'm looking at how big his shoulders and legs are and then looking at myself in the mirror and going, huh, we weigh about the same, but this guy's not near as tall as I am. And there's a lot more muscle hanging off this frame. Like the big league seems like this magical fantasy land where everybody's huge. Everybody runs fast. Everybody throws a hundred and all this other stuff. And pitchers don't miss their spots and infielders don't miss ground balls. But 
I think for me, I started to realize that I had a chance um, probably when I was really rolling in double A. Like when I was when I was hot in double A, which I was for I don't know. I, I joke about peaking in double A, but I got I got twenty eighteen. Yeah, twenty eighteen. I think I got through double A in in two months. Um, I was with a really good team. We had a really good group, a lot of really good players. The staff was great. The guys were happy. We were winning a lot. We have players from that roster that are in the major leagues and a bunch of different organizations and guys that are in AAA and then really good players in general. But when I was like cruising through there and, and really starting to like find some counts to sit soft and, and adjust with breaking balls and still be on the fastball and it was, you know, the ball was on the barrel more times than not was when I was like, okay, like this is a separator because I heard for the longest time that if you hit in the Southern league, you can do it. And I hit in the Southern league. Like, I, I really did. And that, again, that was where like the game kept pointing to me, like, Hey man, you got to improve on both sides of the ball. You got to keep working on your defense, got to run the bases better. And you know, the bat's going to work itself out because that's uh, like, that's been my bread and butter for since I played, I love hitting. Um, but there was a there was a coordinator, special assistant. Um, his name was Tom Foley. He was a third base coach for the big league team for a little while, and then. Can you quickly? Uh, so what's a coordinator? A like coordinator. For, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like for people that don't. A coordinator is like a coach that will like move throughout the system. So the front office will give them like a task with a certain group of players, and if like a hitting coordinator will stop in a city, be with an affiliate for like a week and work with a handful of guys that are like higher up on the priority list, which is kind of like a, I don't know, in a sense, a broken system because you can't necessarily work with everybody. And the organization, like they have guys that are higher on the priority list. That's just the way it works because the minor leagues is for weeding out the best players and, and ideally giving everyone a chance to compete. But it, the way the industry goes, there are really good players that just straight up don't get a chance. And because the major leagues are, it's a finite number of players. It's not like everybody who just plays good can waltz their way into a major league lineup and have a chance to be an everyday player. The organization has to have a need. So when they have a need and they have somebody that's close to the front office or close to the field court, like the, the head field coordinator or the director of minor league development, they'll send in a special assistant or you know, a, a position coordinator to go work with guys for a certain time. So Foley, like, got on me pretty early in high A, my sophomore season in high A. I was crushing the ball. I mean, crushing it. Like, I was probably hitting close to 400, really driving the ball. And he said, hey, man, you know, you're not going to hit 400 forever. And I kind of took that as a challenge because I was like, dude, this is a minor leagues. Like, why would you put a cap on this? Like, you know, maybe I'm not Ted Williams, but... I'm going to give it everything I got. But he, he would remind me every time he was in town, like, hey, man, we need to keep working on that defense. We need to keep your feet working. We need to, like, field the ball and be a player on both sides of the ball because you don't want to corner yourself in as a DH in your first year in the major leagues. And he was right. And that was, a <clears throat> like, a resounding theme throughout my minor league development. And every level I would get to, the, the manager, the infield coach, whoever it was, was ready to work with me right away. And it, that's just another, like, Another tribute to how good Tampa was with player development when I was coming through the system. So, I, you know, I'm thankful for being a part of that organization and having the opportunity to get better because they just continue to give it to me. Okay, so I'm looking up the, the roster, and you're right. There are a ton of big leaguers, some guys who played for the Rangers, uh, like Kyle Bird and mm -hmm. Nick Solak and 
Uh, Brock Burke, Brock Burke. Uh, was on that team as well. Yep. Uh, Are you talking about the Montgomery team? Yeah, the 2018 the Montgomery, Biscuits, Montgomery Biscuits. In which man. you, in 51 games, and yeah, I mean, the jump from, you mentioned hitting in the Southern League, but like, just generally speaking, a lot of people talk about, you, you really start to weed people out when you get from A-ball to double-A. Yeah. And yeah, I'm just looking at your numbers. Yeah, it was a video game. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. 51 games. 13 homers, 42 RBIs. You hit 340, 444 on base, 606 slug. Yeah, I mean, it was fun. my goodness. It was fun. Yeah, I bet it was. Uh, all right. Just give me a month, like, man, my September, 340, 440 on base, slugging 600 for September. The Rangers are in a good spot. Let's do it. I'm in. Sign me up for that. Right. Uh, is it tough mentally? When you are trying to climb and maybe you feel like the first day you're, you get called up to double A, you're obviously not thinking that first week, well, when am I going to go to triple A? But like, eventually at some point you're probably thinking I'm hitting three, whatever I'm doing. Like, is it tough to stay focused on each day when you're also invariably thinking, am I going to get called up? Like, what what do I, I just hit two homers tonight. Am I going to get the call tomorrow? such and such at the big league level just got hurt. So this guy from AAA is going to get called up. And like, how do you balance all that? Uh, in AA, no. In double, like for me in AA, no. Uh, when I got pulled out of the lineup and they told me I was going to go to Durham, that was like, that was more a surprise than anything else. Just because of that, like, because of, like you said, like the chain of command for first base all the way up through the major leagues. Like it was, it was pretty locked down. Like, yeah, when I was in high A, I was wondering if I was going to get pulled up to AA at some point, but we had a player in AA who was, Playing pretty well, and you know, like there there were good players that were playing first in Double A and Triple A when I was still all the way in A ball. So I was like, you know, I just got to put my head down and take care of what I can take care of right now. But when I got that first off day, well, not uh, I don't know if it was my first or not, but when I got the off day in High A, I was thinking the whole time, like, all right, like here we go, I I finally beat High A, I, I get a chance to go to Double A. But yeah, when I was when I was in Double A and I got pulled to Pensacola because I was going to go to Durham the next day, that's when I was like, "Oh boy!" Like I, I, you know, I this is kind of a surprise, but I'll take it. But I actually had a bet going. I had a bet going going into that season with the Mets shortstop, who we'll see this evening. Oh, this okay. Lindor, okay. Um, because he's big watch fashion guy, loves like cars and all this, because you know his monopoly money. But, yeah, yeah, you know, but um. Yeah, he had he had made a bet with me. He said, "Hey, if you move up two levels in the minor leagues this season, I'll buy you a watch." And I started in high A. Obviously, I I did well in Double A after you know, fifty games, and so like going into August, I believe, like we were in Pensacola, I got pulled out of the game, and the the manager was actually his wife was having a baby, so there was another manager who was our first base coach was the manager for that series, and he said, "Hey, you know, I I got to sit you today," and I said you know what's going on i said i can't tell you but i'll tell you, you later yeah and like and you know at that point right yes, yeah like, yeah yes here we go like i'm i'm gonna get a watch so i sent i sent a text message to the group i sent a text message to the group uh our little off-season group i said boys get that wallet out francisco here we go <laughs> here we go yeah yeah so yeah it's pretty cool i, I got a sweet little you still have it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You wear it or yeah, I wear it. Okay. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a dive watch. It's not like it's a it's not a Rolex or something super expensive, but yeah, ideally nobody else has them. I've I've actually seen one more, and one of our first base coaches in AAA in 2019 
Quentin McCracken. He's yeah. been in the big leagues for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah, he had a U-boat, too. That's what it's called. So, yeah, I, that was the only other time I've seen one. But, yeah, Francisco bought me a, bought me a dive watch. And, uh, yeah. Quentin McCracken. You, you, I don't know if it's like this for you, but there, there are certain things like random players that I remember. And this came up the other day with the Immaculate Grid because yep. I... Love the Immaculate Grid. Yeah, it's and great. We, we need to do... Next episode, we need to do one together, like right. on. But uh, I'm not that good at it, but I'll still do it. Yeah, no, we'll have some fun with it. But like, there's certain players who like they're obscure, but for whatever, like Glenn Allen Hill. I don't know if you remember Glenn Allen Hill, but like, yeah. what a cool name, Glenn. Like, I never heard that name before. So like, I, I know way too much about his career yep. and who he played for. But, like one of the things I don't know why I remember this, but Quinton McCracken. Uh, one year led the majors in outfield assists. There you go. And like, I just remember. Like listening on the radio, and I think it must have been Eric mentioning that, and he didn't have like this amazing arm, but people challenged him a lot, and I just that's just like an obscure thing. Whenever I hear of Quinton McCracken, yeah, I hear about he, that. He was good. He was outfield guy, base running guy. He was big on taking the extra base, big on. I, I think his his catchphrase that Solak and I would would joke about was scoring for your boys, you know, because like, hey man, if somebody behind you puts the ball in play, like you got to score for your boys. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like he, that. He was great though. Um, all right, you mentioned the, the coordinators. Uh, so I remember my first year doing minor league baseball was with the Great Falls Voyagers, that's the White Sox. And whenever one of the coordinators was in town, and, and they don't necessarily always apply to every player because it might be the catching guy or the outfield guy, or but, you know, the hitting guy is not going to be. There was, I had players tell me that, like, one of the things they battled with, and this is rookie ball, so, like, you're not, mentally you're going through some of these things for the first time like pressing during that week they that coordinator was going to be with them because they can look at numbers all they want yeah. but like when they get eyes on you and you have a good week that might carry more weight so was that was that ever tough like wanting to just play really well for fill in the blank coordinator um ideally no like we had we had a uh couple old school guys um steve henderson steve livesey my first uh short season chad matola who's the major league yeah. hitting coach was a minor league coordinator and you know it was like it was all about like hey man you, you know in short season you want to be the best version of you because that's your first tryout right and i think chad told me like one of the first times there he's like hey man uh why don't we just swing hard like you know like go ahead and hit it in the trees it's okay to do that in batting practice and Playing in Hudson Valley, like it was pretty big in center field. Like we'd heard legends of things that Josh Hamilton did when he there when he was there on the field, right on the field. Yeah, and yeah. As far as like, he was supposed to be the only guy in history to like put the ball on the tee and be able to hit it out to dead center. And I'm hitting him at batting practice, hitting him to the warning track, going like, ooh, <laughs> maybe he was playing a different game. Um, Brock can tell you, I. I hate to put him on the spot, but a, a couple bad stories about bouts with Pete Alonzo and where he would hit him in Hudson Valley. So, you know, we, we kind of worked through some stuff there, but the guys that we had coordinator wise were pretty old school. Like, you know, like let's, let's stand how you stand, like use your hands, play the game, see the ball, like work through some counts. If you got to drive it the other way, go ahead and do that. So thankfully it, it didn't feel like there was pressure from the coordinators and coming in, I was kind of like, I felt like I was on the outside looking in because I wasn't a top 10 round pick. And it just, my goal going into 2018 after my first full season in 17, where I, you know, I hit like, I had like 280 
like 275, 280 in the minor leagues with seven homers. So I was like, oh boy, like I, if I don't turn it on, I'm going to get lost in the shuffle. So the whole goal that winter was just to set myself apart. And it felt like the coordinators were on the same page as me coming into spring training because they want, like, they want you to set yourself apart. You have to do something extra as far as the stats go. You have to do something special as far as gameplay goes to set yourself apart to give the chance to move up. And they were very supportive. We had a good golf group, too. Well, that's, I mean, that's probably the most important thing, right, oh, yeah. in terms of your development. I wonder if we could probably, like, go back and look at your teammates and the quality of like your, your golf buddies relative to your ascent throughout the system. Maybe, oh, the, yeah. maybe there's a correlation there to this day. Like to this day, one of my favorite, one of my favorite golf rounds I've ever played. I was so bad that day. I mean, I played so poorly except for like two or three holes. Like there was a different Titleist ball that one of them was playing with. And he's like, Hey, you know, hit this ball off the tee and see how far it goes. And I hit this knuckleball that went like, seven miles and everybody's going nuts on the tee box but i was supposed to play with a different group and I, I wound up playing in a group with steve henderson who i think he got 12 or 13 years in was like career 280 hitter i played with uh skeeter barnes who's our out outfield base running coordinator in the minor leagues and he was just he was wild man like a good wild had all kinds of stories and he just talked <laughs> talk and talk and talk and these guys are dogging each other and then gary Reedus was the third one who played mm -hmm. for a lot of teams for a long time. So yeah, just being around that much baseball experience and that much knowledge and, and obviously like them cutting up on each other for the whole three and a half hours that we were out there. Like you don't get to do that a lot of other places. So like being able to be on the same page like that, spend an off day or a, a morning before a game to kind of just get outside and unwind and realize that there are human beings on both sides of the coin right it, it was just really comforting and like yeah they did they did a good job making players feel comfortable all right when well, uh, we continue this conversation next episode we'll get into time in triple a getting called up in 2019 and early years as a big leaguer sure all right coming up next uh, some fan questions but first a word from our sponsors have you tried whataburger's new blt Four slices of bacon, crisp lettuce, fresh chopped tomatoes, and creamy mayo all stacked between Texas toast. Available for a limited time only at participating locations. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's time for one of my favorite parts of each episode that we always look forward to. A ton of you submitted questions, really some interesting ones this time for Nathaniel. So let's get right into it. All right, Nathaniel, this one is from Brock Holt. He said, remember when we were teammates? <laughs> yes. Um, two Tater Nader remembers when we were teammates. <laughs> Brock gave me some trouble, we'll say. He, he was He thought it was a a funny caption when I had a, the last two homer day that I had was in Oakland and the caption that the social media team put on Instagram was to tater nader. So Brock thought it was just so funny to call me to tater nader until that one went away. But yeah, we, yeah, we had some fun with him and he was, he was good for the group. He's positive, you know, like a pretty easy going, but it was just kind of funny how like, 
I don't know, I maybe cut this out if we don't need it, but like we were told by a certain staffer that we were badasses and Brock turned that into after, you know, figuring out how the season was going to go in 21 that we were both bad and ass. So, <laughs> so you know, it's, I, I, it may not be a laughing matter with the records that we put up that year and the, the disappointment of the season, but, you know, you got to learn from it. So, yeah, having him as a part of a, you know, a, a team that loses 100 plus games and him doing what he can to keep it light and contribute. Like hey, Brock was a good teammate. He's a good guy. Love that answer. Hope that Brock and his family are doing well. He was always a hoot here in the Rangers clubhouse. All right, Nate, next up, who on the team is most likely to play for the Savannah Bananas? Josh Smith. <laughs> Josh Smith. Yeah, simply out of simply out of how active like the Smiths are on social media and it feels like the Savannah Bananas are out there putting on a show and all that other stuff. And I feel like that's like I don't know. I, I he might have had he might have had a teammate that's on the team or something like that. But yeah, they're uh, he's an athlete. They make some pretty cool things happen on the field. Like you know, it's no secret Smitty plays really good defense. So whether he's a shortstop or out in left field, like w when he made the Sports Center play in Oakland, I think I didn't. I had no idea that he had never played outfield before. And then he's in there like diving in the dugout or in the bullpen, whatever it is, and left and sliding over the mound and making a great play. I'm like, wow, that's a great play or whatever. And I found out weeks later, like, that's the first game Josh Smith has ever played outfield. I go, wow, good for you. So, yeah. yeah, if he if he could, you know, turn out some some trick plays or whatever it is, like, yeah, I think he could put on a pretty good show. All right, this is a, a great one. Uh, how much does your faith play into your game? Mm. That's huge, you know? Like, that's huge. Like, you're, like, off the field recognizing, like, good days and bad days can all be turned into good days, knowing, like, knowing what's going on with that like it's it's such a relief um gives you confidence to step out there and know like this is like what i do but it's not who i am like you know I, over five whatever uh, make an error whatever because like i know long term like that's where my heart's at and you know i i'm not gonna say i'm the model christian or like the the best in that aspect but knowing that i can rely on that all the time, like in good times and bad, and step into the field with confidence, like it's so free. I put it that way. I touched on this a little bit earlier in the episode, but what are your thoughts on section 133? Those guys are fun. You know, I think that we had a good time out there. I think that, uh, you know, the, the whole come to Texas thing for Shohei was pretty funny. Like, you know, I, I appreciate the the signs out there. I don't, I don't know how many Sharpies they had to go through to like color in one letter, <laughs> you know, cause there's uh, come to Texas is a lot of letters on a lot of cardboard, but you know, the roll call in the first, like it was like, okay, like, all right guys, like this is new. Like this is something fun, but roll call once is, we can do it once. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hopefully the guys, it's, it's, a, it's a learning experience yeah, for yeah. And, and again, like that's no, that's no shot at, Yankee Stadium because roll call is their thing. And then at Mississippi State, we had a roll call too. And it was kind of fun. Um, you know, I, same couple people yell. And it, yeah, it's a good time. But yeah, boys, we got a uh, roll call once is funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, Nathaniel, uh, let's start this series off right. Game one, Mets Rangers coming up. Appreciate the time. Of course. All right. That's going to do it for us here. Another episode of the Straight Up Texas podcast in the books for Hannah Wing. 
And for Nathaniel O. Jared Sandler, thanking you and thanking our friends at Whataburger for making this happen. Uh, we will talk to you next time.